Welcome to the Female Influencer, Career Advancement Strategies for Women. I'm Lacey Shane. This week I want to do what I would call sort of a Dear Lacey column for this episode. Every now and then I'll reach out to my email list and ask, what are you all dealing with at work? What, what challenges are you having? And I did that before the lockdowns were over, during the pandemic, and got some interesting challenges that people were going through. And while I responded to them directly, I thought, you know, some of these problems, they're universal. And I'd like to kind of share with you what it was that some of my female friends community members wrote to me, and the advice that I gave back to them. And the first one has to do with sort of a bait and switch situation on a job. This person has been had been looking for a job for quite some time. And she was not having a lot of luck. It's not the situation that we have right now where there's 8 million jobs and not enough people to fill them. It was exactly the opposite uh, during the early part of the pandemic. So she wrote to me, I recently started a new job. Due to COVID-19, the job was promoted as remote up to 30 hours a week instead of full-time and paying substantially less per hour than I typically work for, with no benefits. The job was to be flexible enough to allow me to take on outside projects that would be more profitable. After a few weeks on the job, the job description seemed to have changed and the workload is more than 30 hours a week. I've mentioned the issue to the person I report to, who is also the person that outlined the job. He says, don't worry, he's happy to pay me more for the additional hours. The problem is I would never have taken the full-time job at this rate of pay. I've brought it up a couple of times with the same results. I don't want to be that new employee that is already complaining, but I'm worried that if it isn't resolved soon, it won't be resolved. What's your advice? So I wrote back to her, and here was the substance of, of what I had to say. First of all, don't do the extra work. It's really none of their business whether she has additional contracts or jobs lined up outside that 30 hours, but she only committed to 30 hours. So just say no to the additional hours. That's that's number one. Number two, I think that if anybody has brought up something like this twice, it's probably not going to get resolved. And that's not an easy thing to hear when you're in a job market where it's hard to find jobs. Again, unlike right now at this point in time where there's 8 million jobs and not enough people applying. But in this particular situation, it's tough, you know, because she needs the job. But I I always like to talk to women who are working with employers that misrepresent a job or where the job shifts into something different and now they're doing work duties that command a much higher salary or doing the work of a much higher title, sort of that bait and switch that can happen. And depending on how big the organization is and if you want to take the time to go to HR, I think you have to think about how badly do I need this job. If you need it badly, you may have to put up with bad behavior and bad management for a while until you find something different. And sometimes I'll get the question, well, I sh- you know, should I have to do that? I shouldn't have to do that. Yes, you shouldn't have to do that. But just because you shouldn't have to do that doesn't mean they are going to change. 
And what I like to ask is, you know, don't we all want to work at a place that is aligned with our own values? I knew of a woman that was being grossly undermined and mistreated by the management of her organization in a very underhanded way. And I had to ask her, if you got everything you want, are these the kind of people you want to work with? Because that kind of alignment really impacts your happiness in a job. And in this situation, I don't know if these people were dishonest. I know nothing about them. But it's a question that she needed to ask herself and that you would need to ask yourself in a similar situation is, if everything were resolved tomorrow, are these the kind of people I want to work with? Is this the kind of organization I want to work with? And unfortunately, sometimes the answer is work there until you find something better. Because sometimes things just aren't going to change. Now, if you want to go to HR, you take a risk. You take a risk that maybe they're going to retaliate and let you go. Is that legal? At least here in California, no. And it's probably not legal in a lot of states. But it doesn't seem to stop some employers from doing it. So you have to assess the risk, assess how badly you need the job, assess if this is a long-term place you want to work or a short-term stopgap until you find something better and more enjoyable for yourself. And understand that some places just aren't that great to work. And don't do the extra hours. They asked you for 30, give them 30, and let them know that you're busy and have other commitments the rest of the time. The last thing that I would get into at that point, because when she says that there's more work than can be done in 30 hours, I always like to use this statement to my superiors. Yes, I can do that. What would you like me to wait on so I can make this come first? Or, yes, I can do that. What would you like to drop off the plate? And sometimes you're going to get the response, well, it all needs to be done. Yeah, you could say, yeah, I'm going to do it all. What do you want to come first? And then you document that because if they refuse to tell you what comes first, they're refusing to do their jobs as a manager. So you would want to document that. But a lot of times, if someone's a halfway decent person and you say, what would you like me to do first? They're going to tell you. If they can't choose between two, you can make a suggestion. But you don't have to do it all. Say, yes, I'm glad to do it all over time, but which comes first? And then you do that project in the hours that you're given. Another one of my female friends community members wrote to me, and she's in a bit different situation. She says, since the world has turned upside down, my biggest challenge is having to change the way I did my job by doing it myself without help or feedback from my superiors. Only when there is a problem do I hear from them asking why I can't get it done faster. They fail to see that it is not business as usual with everything moving virtually and an additional one to two hours per week in Zoom meetings. This is one of the worst months in my career, to say the least. I would love to hear how others are coping. So this sounds like a classic need for managing up. If your boss isn't proactively giving you the feedback that you need or giving you the feedback once it's too late or once the project is done, then it's time to proactively set up meetings with your boss. It's time for you to manage them. And whatever the time frame is that would make sense for when your projects are due or when the meetings happen, when you present your projects, make sure and set up those meetings ahead of time. And let's say your boss says, oh, I'm, I'm too busy. I can't have that meeting. 
Great. I'm going to send you my project ahead of time for your feedback. Let me know if there's any changes that you want. And if they're busy, I know it's going to be hard to get their attention. I understand that. But you have to try to proactively manage up and get the feedback you need to do the job you need to do. And again, you go back to what I just said earlier. I can do this project, that project, and that project. Which one is the most important to you for me to get done first? And ask those questions. If it doesn't work out the first time you do it, do it a second time. Do it a third time. This is a job skill. Managing up is a job skill. And with everything being remote, it is true that feedback loops and those pops into the office where you know, someone hops in and says, hey, can I show this to you for five minutes? Those kind of things aren't happening anymore, or at least there are fewer and far between. A little bit better now that some places are starting to open up, but a lot of places are still a hybrid with virtual. So you still got to find those ways. Is it ideal? No, but there are plenty of people working successfully remotely. And chances are, if your boss can never give you a meeting and never can never find time to give you guidance, they're probably not managing their own workload very well. But you got to try. You got to try to manage up, proactively get the feedback before the deadline, and start managing your boss so that you get the information you need to do the project to their expectations. And I would even add to your your conversation with them that you want to make them look good. You want to make sure they like and are comfortable with the work you're producing. And that always has a softening impact on even the hardest of souls. Here's another one, and I'm just going to summarize it because the details in this particular email are so involved, and I don't want to have this person feel like I'm giving away the details of their career. But to summarize, this person feels they're too sensitive. They feel that they get run over a lot. And because of that, their conflict avoidant at work feel that they can't stand up for themselves. And she feels like she shrinks when other people are strongly spoken. So let's tackle the too sensitive issue. One of the things that I think really helps when you feel like you're sensitive in the workplace and, hey, I've gone through this early in my career And I'm not going to lie, it takes time to get past being overly sensitive. But it's a bit of a trap. Being overly sensitive is a bit of a trap because when you're overly sensitive, you tend to discount the information you're hearing as hurtful. And you may end up discounting some critical feedback to your success. And that is what I found. So I came up with a tool to deal with it. And that is, first of all, don't react right away. Give yourself some time and space to get away from the situation so that you can regroup, so that you can purge your emotion. That might take a day, right? Just let them know, hey, I want to think about this. I'll get back to you. And give yourself time to even vent with a trusted colleague or family member, not someone at work. And once you've sort of purged that initial shock emotional reaction. Try to separate the emotion you feel about the way the information was delivered versus the actual information that was delivered. 
Because sometimes we have critical feedback that we need to listen to that's delivered in a really crappy package. It's delivered in a hurtful way, in an insensitive way, in a non-productive way. But if you just ignore it and refuse to think through the feedback or the information because of the way it was delivered, you could be missing critical feedback to your success. So when you're too sensitive of a person, allow yourself to get out of the situation. Say, I'd like to get back to you and think about this. You're going to come across as very thoughtful. Purge your emotion outside of that environment. And once the emotion is tamped down or dissipated, then start thinking about the actual feedback or information you were given and if there's any validity to it. That's the first step. This gets easier over time, but it does take time. You can get to a point where you're not as sensitive, that you start to separate the emotion from the feedback or the information a little more readily on the spot. But it does take time. It takes time to retool the way we react to things emotionally. But once you do that, take the feedback See if there's any validity to it. If there is, surprise everybody on the team and go back and say something along the lines of, I've thought about this. I think it's valid. Yes, let's do that. Or I'll incorporate that into my project or whatever the appropriate comment would be for your particular situation. You're going to blow everybody away by coming back in a non-emotional manner, showing that you've listened to the information. And if you're so inclined, you can even say, and I'd like to ask that maybe you handle the delivery of this information a little bit differently in the future. That's another thing that you can consider. So separate the emotion from the message and see if you can get to a productive place where you can process the information or the feedback in a productive way Go back to the group, let them know you've done that, and impress them and dazzle them. This is one way you can keep yourself from getting run over. Now, she mentions being conflict avoidant, that she has a hard time standing up for herself. And, you know, I think that everybody benefits from some sort of therapy or counseling. Sometimes these issues are deep-seated and they start in childhood and I'm a big fan of going and getting therapy where it's needed. If you seriously are getting walked on all the time and are conflict avoidant, there's probably a reason why. But let me give you a target to shoot for. When you can get to a point where you can talk about a conflict in a way where your feeling is such that you're just talking about different viewpoints rather than conflict, in other words, when you start to recharacterize different points of view as just that, different points of view, rather than a conflict, you're getting to a productive place. And you will be the calm head in the room that can get between several people who are having a heated debate and be the reason in the room and the negotiator and the, the mediator. But it does take processing a bit of the emotion and fear out of dealing with disagreement. Disagreement is a productive thing. Diversity of thought is a productive thing. Successful business and successful organizations have diversity of thought. So the idea that the emotion of it or the way that it is expressed gets in the way of it, that can actually diminish the success of the organization. So If you can learn how to process conflict in your mind as just diversity of thought, 
You can be the cool head in the room that starts to facilitate these more productive discussions. Sometimes that takes a little therapy to get past some of our insecurities and our fears and our inabilities to stand up for ourselves. But once you get to that point, it gets a lot easier because you don't see yourself as conflicting with another person. You just see yourself as adding another perspective. A last thing that I would add has to do with using the word because. This woman talks about getting run over in meetings, and that's, that's never fun. I acknowledge that. And we have to te- teach people how to treat us. We have to teach people how to treat us. And there's a couple of strategies for when you get interrupted. You feel like you're getting bowled over by the people surrounding you. One strategy is just simply to say, excuse me, I was talking. And be willing to say that a number of times. Excuse me, I wasn't finished. I listened to you. Now I'd like you to listen to me. Along those same lines, you can also employ the help of a peer or a colleague by meeting with them ahead of time. If there's someone on the team that you have this relationship with or that you have a closer relationship with that you can talk to, go to them and say, hey, I'm wondering if you could help me out in the meetings. I feel like I get interrupted a lot and it's hard to get back in the conversation. Would you mind helping me out? And if someone interrupts me, would you hop in and say, I'd like to hear what so-and-so has to say? And if the same thing happens to you, I'm glad to do that as well. Now, not everybody has anyone else in the workplace that is in the same situation, but if you do and you have some camaraderie with them, they might be able to double team with you so that there's two of you saying, excuse me, I'd like to finish what I was saying. Excuse me, I'd like to hear what she was saying. Excuse me, we listen to you. Now let's listen to her. Another strategy is when you finally get the floor, when you're talking and you finally have the floor, it's been proven, it's been studied that men, I think, I'm trying to think of the percentage. Men interrupt women. I think it was between 30 and 40% more than they interrupt men. Unfortunately, the percentage is the same with women. We tend to interrupt each other more than we interrupt men. It's also been studied and proven that adding the word because onto the end of your comments, along with a well-founded reason for what you're saying that has to do with the benefit And what's good for the company or the organization or the team really helps people buy into what you're saying. So, for instance, if you're making some sort of a pitch for a new program and you're saying, I think that we should do this. It's I've studied it. It's going to work. Here are the financials. And the reason that this program is so important is because it's going to bring more clients to the organization. It's going to bring more financial resources and it's going to help us more effectively meet our mission. Everything that came after the word because helps people buy into what you're saying. And I can't remember the percentage, but it does increase people's willingness to listen to you. So use the word because and make sure that what follows it has something to do with what's best for the team or best for the company, best for the customer, something that's for the greater good. And you'll find that you'll get more credibility in these meetings and quite possibly won't get run over as much. There was a time where I had a speaking engagement and three 
young women who were brand new in their career came to me and talked about how they were getting run over in meetings and couldn't get a word in edgewise. And I think I already mentioned this in a prior podcast, but just briefly, I'll share that they each met before the meeting and talked about what they were going to recognize in each other and how they were going to help each other in the bigger meeting when it finally happened. And they started supporting each other similar to what I just shared with you. One of them would say, I wanted to hear, I wanted to hear what, what Sally was going to say. Uh, excuse me, can we continue to listen to what Ruth was going to say? I wanted to hear what she had to say. They would also acknowledge each other's accomplishments for the week. And this started to give them the strength to stand up and speak up and not get run over in meetings like they used to. So those are some strategies for you if you are in a position where you feel like you're getting run over in meetings. And if you have a different situation, I'm going to say reach out to me. I'd love to address it in a future podcast. Listen, I hope this was helpful for you today. I love talking about these issues and helping you out with whatever challenges you're having in the workplace. Feel free to email me at lacy at lacyshane.com if you ever want me to address any issue. And please go over to Amazon and pick up my book, Advancing Through Influence, Using Your Five Innate Female Strengths to Break Through Power Barriers and Advance Your Career. It is an empowering roadmap for you to influence your own way to career advancement. Women who employ these skills are elated to find out how much power they have. And you really do have everything you need right within you. My name's Lacey Shane. Wherever you're listening in the world, remember you are the power.